Hey, you're about to listen to Trek Off, but before you do, I wanted to let you know that there is another podcast called Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made. It's me and my buddy Arthur. We go through the Batman movies, the X-Men movies, the Avengers movies, movies like The Crow and Dr. Horrible and more. So please, while you're listening to this, hop over to wherever you subscribe to podcasts and subscribe to Totally Super. Okay, here's Trek Off. It's time for Trek Off. Set phasers to love. Welcome to Truck Off. My name is Justin. And my name's Alexia. And today uh, we are going to be continuing our show from last week where we were just about to get into season two of Star Trek Short Treks leading up to Picard. So if you were all disappointed last week, you're like, oh no, it's only been a couple of days, guys. You're going to be fine. So here we go with season two of Short Treks. Hey, we're back to our old, like, this is like a throwback, man. Like, because we, yeah. we don't, we're we don't talk about season. Star we're Trek actually, until what? We're going to do a season of Star Trek really quick for you. We are. Um, Star Trek... Star Trek Short Treks, uh, season two, airing in between 2019 and 2020, um, uh, consists of Q&A, which we've talked about ne- before. We'll talk about very briefly, airing on October 15th, uh, 5th, 2019. The Trouble with Edward airing on October 10th, 2019. Ask Not on t- November 14th, 2019. Ephraim and Dot on December 12th, 2019. The Girl Who Made the Stars also on December 12th, 2019. And Children of Mars on January 9th, 2020, just nine days ago as of this recording so we're going to talk really quick let's start really quick about q a we talked about it before but uh i think if i remember we both kind of dug this episode with spock and oh yeah we did we we got into it real deep so go back and listen to that shit but it's it remains my favorite of the short tracks and can i say that um that when i think of number one i no longer forgive me major barrett i think of um Rebecca Romaine, when I think of number one now, she's who I picture. Like when I picture Spider-Man, I now picture Tom Holland, not Tobey Maguire. I picture her. I still don't picture Spock. When I picture Spock, I picture Leonard Nimoy. When yeah. I picture Pike, I actually picture the Pike from the Kelvin movies. Um, uh, but when I yeah. picture number one, it is it is her now. I really dig what she's doing with the character, which is funny because I always sort of painted her as not that good an actress. But she, no, in she her, is, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if she took a bunch of acting classes or if or if like like having 20 years experience just life experience after the first X-Men um but sure. she and is, and, uh, and, they, and they didn't necessarily always give her that much to do in X-Men let's be frank. sure but but what they of... gave her to do I never felt she really she really like I didn't feel like she soared in I think she's very 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 good in this role she um, is very and good. and she she absolutely embodies um and and kudos to by the way she still I, I hope this isn't too misogynistic for me to say she's still super hot oh yeah no she and, is and kudos she's also forty plus and kudos to making her super hot and also forty plus well like that's okay I'm that's, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you misogynistically at kudos to super hot I can't hear you I'm going to stop you misogynistically at the kudos for super hot um. But definitely the kudos for her age. Um, like that's definitely um, like something else I watched very recently on Netflix, which because um, as you know, I watch all things vampire. It's just a thing I do. Like I've even watched a movie called Blood and Donuts. It's a real title. Okay. <laughs> um, it's about as good as you think. Um, and they did a uh, um, the guys that did Sherlock did a uh, Dracula oh. on Netflix. 
And I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I heard about that. I heard it's very good. I hear it's it very, is, very, very, very good. It's very, very, very good. And the thing is, what's very, very, very good about it, like what is not even Dracula, although he is very good. Like nobody's bad in it, right? But, and I do enjoy him very much. But what I enjoy the absolute most about that show is that Van Helsing is a woman and it's not even- oh, nice. And and she's an like a nun, right. and she's like a nun who's smart. Like she's a nun for the reason that women were nuns a lot of the time, which was hey, you were mouthy or intelligent, like, and you didn't want to be some man's property, get thee to a nunnery. Um, you know what I mean? Like that was your option, <laughs> and and they call it right out in the show, which I fucking love. She has. You spoiled something major for me. Everybody else listening, stop listening for a few months. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spoil something um, major sure, for I, him I give right you, now. I give you a, I, I give you a three minute limit. So, so okay, me, skip for, three for possibly ahead of the show. one of the best set of lines I think I have ever heard in my life. Um, Dracula's trying to get into the nunnery. He's stopped. He's yelling out at her, and finally he's like, "Who are you?" And she turns around, fucking gangster, and says. All your worst nightmares at once. A woman, yes. an educated woman with a crucifix. Like, Shit. It, like she definitely needed to drop a mic after she said it, it was fucking awesome. And this, and again, this is a, and this woman is not a young woman either. She is absolutely forty plus. There's no way she's in her twenties. She's fucking haggard as fuck if she's in her twenties. Okay. Like, right, so, 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 so she's me, a mature let, let me... woman, and she is, and and she's incredibly nuanced. And 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 very, very fucking well written and very well acted and so cool. Like so she's like my favorite part of the Dracula series is her. She's just so, let so me, cool. Let, let me let me clar- let me clarify my statement about about her being hot and her being forty plus. Yo, of course, Rebecca Romaine has always been hot. That's why mm-hmm. she was A naked model. pretty much in yeah. in X Men. <laughs> um, uh, and and here's the deals. I feel like that Hollywood has this deal that you can be hot up until 32, and then you can be you know you can be Sarah Connor if you want and be tough up to the age of 60. That's fine, but you're not gonna be sultry after a certain point. It's just not gonna. I be. don't know, and man. There are there are, there there are, are people exceptions. Who just there are exceptions. Yeah. I I think of I think of Diane Lane in. Um, of course, there's a movie that's 20 years old now, but I think of Di- Diane Lane in um, I forget what movie she she did where she was the wife who was having an affair. I think of 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 the, there are exceptions. Glenn Close has has had opportunities as well, but I feel like I always it's think of much- um oh, and now her name's escaping me, of course, which I hate when this happens. Like it's right there from like Name Red movie, Red to oh, oh yeah, a sexy um, little tattoo yeah, on her like hand, Helen, Mir- Helen, Helen Mirren, Mirren. Oh. but. But Helen Mirren is allowed to be hot as sort of a, is is sort of a, a, isn't it neat that we're making her hot because she's so old, um, and she was legitimately hot in her day too. Look at her stuff from the sixties. Well, Holy shit! And she's legitimately uh, hot now. Yeah, but but the vibe is. Yo, she's in red and they're old and she's also hot. Sure, and tough. She could get um, it. There, you know, there's no, there is zero. <laughs> Tongue in cheek about Rebecca Remain being all at once forty plus, strong and smart, and also 
a giving off a sexual vibe and not in a weird like she's an older woman not well, at not all I don't, and the thing is I don't think they're sexualizing her which is why I'm like they're I'm, not like, sexual no no they're not sexualizing her but hot. in it you know what I mean? Like, a, and I'm okay a, with a, that. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm happier. I'm, I'm less concerned with her hotness level um, than I. It, well, here's a, here's I why, here's why it makes me but happy. But I'm more concerned. Here's, a, here's specifically why it makes me happy. It, it here's not why it makes being me happy. that she has to be a, like that. Women aren't allowed to age, and that they, when they There's age, they that, no longer have use. There's, but they no longer have sexiness. There's something I used to call the Michael Douglas syndrome, and and certainly Wonder Boys is the worst example of that, where he is clearly in his late 60s and his love interest is clearly 25. Oh, that, that shit and, happens all the and, time in movies. Like it's and, it's and, so you know, rampant. You, when I when I say gives off a sexual vibe, Rebecca Romaine continues to give off a highly sex like she's not sexualized, but she's just a a, a clearly she is sensual so being. Yeah, and she's sexy and she's desirable. And there's there's a there's a sexual chemistry that comes off her. She's just one of those women that puts that out. You know, Daniel Craig is allowed to do that to his late fifties. He's all dudes pushing sixty, and they're still like, "You're fucking James Bond. Everyone will fuck you." Mm-hmm. And, and and it does, and, yeah. It pisses me off that like women. And you never oh, no, feel no, no, you no, never that's... feel like Daniel Craig is is objectified. And I don't think she's objectified, but she's allowed to be kind of everything that James Bond would be smart, uh, smart capable and also very sexy and also older than 40 which as a person who is older than 40 with a wife who's older than 40 that i find enormously sexy i i love that that is the case because you don't have to be 22 to be sexy yeah i do i do appreciate that fact that like there's fine like that there's finally some acknowledgement that just because you've passed this benchmark that was set arbitrarily that and and I feel like this has largely been driven by men because women have never had this problem. I mean, to this you know to this day, women still think Sean Connery is sexy. You know what I mean? Like that's like men are allowed to age, and it's like they're they're rugged or they're you know what I mean? And it's sure, but what a woman does it, it's just gross. You know what I mean? And it's like that's bullshit. Or or, or if or if not if if not gross. She has to graduate to matronly. Right. Yeah, she has to be motherly because she's not sexy anymore. She's not a sexual being anymore. Like, she doesn't get to have no more sex. She, I'm sorry. She's yeah. done. She's over. <laughs> I mean, she's hit what? that time. No, I'm number, sorry. Number, and and, and number, you see it in the castings. I'm sorry. Number one fucks. It, it, I, I know what happens that she does. I, I'm, yeah, I'm she absolutely she fucks. No doubt. And um, it's hot, crazy sex. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and anyone who gets to fuck her is a lucky is lucky. You know what I mean? So I don't even want to say gets to. I hate the word gets to. Anyone she chooses to. Like Sure. Like, like but her, for yeah. them it's lucky. Anyone she I'm, chooses I'm to fuck saying. is lucky. Nobody's yeah. fucking her. She's fucking them. Like, like <laughs> sure. she's, Oh yeah, she's no. Large and- it's not yeah, it's not happening. But yeah, it's not we're not having this fucking repeat of back in the fucking DS9 with Creeper, you know, basically I mean that it's crazy how much that episode bothers me now, and it didn't at the time. Which um, one? The, the one where the the guy is, I think he's hiding the fact that he's part Beta Zed, and oh yeah, he's like just super. No, that's no, that's that's creeper. that's uh, next gen. That's next gen. Mm-hmm. That's when when he and Troy are. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, and that, she that, just that like responds to that, vibe. and it works. And I'm like, this whole episode is so wrong. 
on so many levels. It says I don't want to. I I don't want to judge it too harshly because, frankly, one would assume that society has has gone to a different place. And you know, at the time, everybody seemed happy with what was going on. So I don't. I I. I but she I didn't. Be That's car- what I'm saying. Like no, she's but I, made I, I mean, I mean, in terms of, I'm, and then. I mean, in terms of filmed entertainment, I mean that that there is that that I I want to be wary of of judging things that were produced with modern eyes and going and going well that was bad and this is good because the way we think now is better than boy oh boy were they dumb back then no it just you know, it, it, it really it's um I wouldn't normally say you know me I would not normally yeah. say this except that. The messages that it puts out, I truly believe are like dangerous and toxic. This man yeah, no, I, does like forceful, inappropriate things. And, no, it, I, and I, it's I okay. And it works out. That's the only reason. I'm not, there's other things you can ding it for. And people definitely ding the original series for, you know, kind of the inherent sexism. And I'm like, listen. That for yeah, its time, that, it was cutting edge. You know what I mean? It was I pushing that, boundaries I will, I will as much this. as it could. But that episode in particular is not just like unenlightened um, as I would see it normally. As I, you know, like we like not as progressive as I want it to be. It's it's I I think actually da- just damaging. Like thinking that that's okay behavior. You know, I and think and being in my we, Star Trek talk, hurts a little bit. When we talk about Star Trek: The Next Generation, I think that. As time has gone on, I think there's a reason why so many people have gravitated to Deep Space Nine and fuck even Voyager. Um, I think that 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 and and Enterprise. I think that that the next generation is is clearly a Star Trek in transition. Um, and while there are episodes of brilliance in it, it is so clearly in the '80s transitioning into the '90s. And I think the reason that people really gravitate toward DS9 is not just because it's serialized, which is the way that modern TV is, but it's really the first show with modern sensibilities it's it talks about terrorism puts you in the point of view of the terrorists it 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 is it is a more challenging not just darker i think that darker is a very easy term to use that that you go oh it's darker and i like it because it was darker no it's still darker it's not that fucking dark guess what it doesn't it doesn't stand up to two episodes of stranger things it's not dark <laughs> um, it's 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 dark ish it's like it's like maybe it just has more contrast I mean, or even like, frankly not, discovery yeah, it's not it's not it's not that that dark, but it is it I think the reason people gravitate toward DS9 is because it is truly a modern trek in its sensibilities. Um whereas next gen, you know, I will I, I look at the Robin Hood episode and I go, ah, you take Vosh, who is interesting. You've made her a damsel in distress. And yes, she's manipulating behind the scenes, but she's still a damsel in distress who needs to vi- you know, be captured by Picard. Yeah. Everybody fights except for fucking Troy and Crusher, who has to bash pots on people's heads. Um, yeah. And I you read an article about that episode where the only two actors in that entire episode who are actually trained in real stage combat prior to that episode are both her. Were, were, and, were her, and even even like Patrick Stewart it didn't really have any fencing before that episode. They trained him for that episode, from what I understand. I don't know if this is true. This could be apoc- apocryphal, but that's what I read. At well, the I time. know for a fact 
that it that um that Crusher could because she's yeah, with dancer. She fucking choreographed Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, she's a choreographer. Like she absolutely knows fight choreography. She there's no total side note. No diet. No you, doubt you in saw, my mind. Yeah. I, I'm not a big dark. I'm not a big dark crystal fan, but you like the dark crystal. Did you watch the new dark crystal? I, I did. Yes, of course. Have we talked about who one of the lead puppeteers in the dark crystal is? Is it her? No, you're gonna love this. It's the ba- It's it's the baby from Labyrinth. Oh yeah 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 I know I know I know yeah isn't that mm-hmm. cool that's yes just, that's, that's just fucking neat I know anyway, I watched some of the behind the like what's cool sometimes I wish they did this with more Netflix stuff because I love watching behind the scenes stuff and that's the only thing I kind of miss um with like Netflix movies like Six Underground is a, I like really enjoyed that film and I really would have enjoyed to see um some of the how they did them you know some of the behind the scenes stuff because there's some really amazing parkour in particular in that film. Um, but that series actually did have some and yeah, they, they talk about, I was like, oh my God, it's Toby Froud. Like it, it's Toby, <laughs> like, like legitimately yeah. that's anyway, that, crazy. My, my point, my point is, my point is that next gen is, is there's some of it that's so clearly rooted in eighties thinking, um, even into the yeah, 90s, but even it's really... something I noticed as I rewatch eighties movies is sometimes like just the women, some every once in a while it's just it's even better than now it's like less misogyny it's like how did that happen like there was there there was just a i feel like what happened is in the 80s we started to get to see that that. there started to be a lot of progress after the women's movement in like the 70s and then and then there's like a huge backlash um yeah i and i think that next gen suffers from it i mean frankly i do i think that the only women are, are of course caregivers on the ship um, they are, you know, it's a, it's a doctor and a therapist is, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're not in, they're not in command positions. They're both, you know, you get to watch them both orgasm on the ship and you don't get to see any of the men orgasm on the ship. Uh, you get to see them both in various states of undress. You get to, you know, get neither of them, you know, and they really try, I think by the sixth or seventh season. I love, I love that they put Troy in a fucking Starfleet uniform because yeah, she's in fucking Starfleet, yeah. you know, like it's. Like, she's like not just no some rando putting... on the ship. <laughs> yeah, she like she, why is she in a? Cat she's not suit? a therapist that like put her yeah. her you know her, her sign out on but, the Enterprise. Well, like. <laughs> even though she doesn't have that much shit to do, I actually my favorite Troy is um is Next Gen Movie Troy, um and I like I like later seasons uh Crusher you know Sex with the Candle notwithstanding sure um where she is like you know she's into science and she's into doing it I like I think that they do start where you to get to flesh out seeing some of the stuff she does when but she's I not do, but I actually do feel, just I do repairing like somebody's next shit gen, <laughs> next gen remains rooted in you know that of course the 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 only characters that 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 LaForge is is attracted to are people of the same race you know there's it's it's mm-hmm. very it doesn't push. Whereas I feel like next uh, DS nine goes like pushes the boundaries of what's okay to say and do. And I feel like by the time you get to Voyager stuff like that's just like not an issue anymore. And, and I think that then you get to early two thousands issues with, with, with enterprise and stuff. And I think that, that you don't get your real next quantum leap until now. Um, quantum leap, uh, quantum leap. Nice. Um, 
<laughs> but but I feel like I, I guess I guess my point is as we go back to um, we're only in the first episode of Short Tracks. I think that that Rebecca Romaine being sexy and in control and 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 large and in charge is is such a non-issue in it that I am I am immediately attracted to what they do with that. It's a great episode. It's so much fun. I like being mm-hmm. on that Enterprise. I want that show. I do I too. I really show. I really do. Like I gotta say, I want I want that show. Like I'm, I you've you've sold me on that Spock, um, and I is you're which not, is not to around. Say I don't want Chris, which is not to say I don't want Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. I actually do want one more movie of theirs. I want them to wrap up their universe. So I really want them to have one more to tie a nice bow on it. So I can go okay. Here's that like I that's still all feel done like, now. Sure, I know you do. I still, uh, uh, you I still feel ending. like that universe needs needs a needs a, a tie up. I love Chris Pine as Kirk. I love him. Well, as I, well I want to be clear. Like what I like about this this idea, there's not we're not talking about Kirk here. You know, like I don't I I I I know I felt very like I don't want another Spock, and they were able to turn me, but I think it'd be a lot harder to turn me on another Kirk. Yeah. So because you know I, what? because because you, you you they already got you to like another Kirk, which is a Herculean task. Yeah. And I I don't and then have going for, for three for is 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 too far. It's too it's too far a reach. Yeah. Don't do it. Kirk is too. And iconic. they've done the perfect I, thing by by making Pike, and he's and he's not Kirk. He's his own thing. And and I definitely see the roots of where he is, and 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 this guy has, sure. I mean, his his natural charisma, um, his Anson Mount is so good. He he's is. So good. I, I he's my favorite Pike. I love him, and his you know his leadership, but also um, feeling like your family. All, all, you know, like he he's he. There are certain ways in which he's Kirk like, but there's also certain ways in which he's. Um, you know, very Picard. So I love that he's his own thing. And so he's not trying to be anything else. And then you've got number one, which we only ever got to see in, and we barely saw her, you know what I mean? But yeah. we got enough of her for Rebecca Romaine to build something. And she's done a great job of doing that with what she had and is pushing that. And I love it because again, she's very no nonsense, but she's clearly still a person and shares a bit of that in Q and a. And then now you've got me on board with this spot. Like I want to watch that show. I want to watch that enterprise go on missions. Like I'm so and down What I love that. about this is that we, you know, we started and we said at the time, it was so smart for them to introduce this, this Spock like crazy Slowly. and with a beard. Yeah. Like, so, so that by the time now we get the Spock that is like the Spock we know, and we've already grown to like this new Spock. So like it, it was so smart for the, us, them to ease us into it, to kind of lube us up first. Indeed. No, they did a they did a great job of it. And okay. and, and, the, and, the, and the second short track, like to, to go into another short track, I don't know if it's so, okay, so the let's second in the lineup, the one. The, but the, the next one is that, the, uh, that occurs the trouble with Edward, that. The trouble with Edward is well, I, came out on October 10th, 2019. Do we have to do this in order, dude? Is that really necessary? Yeah, let's let's just do it in the order in case people are you know following along at home. Um, uh, this is, um, starring, uh, starring Anson Mount, Christopher and Rose Salazar, Lynn Cicero, and H. John Benjamin, Archer himself, yep. as Edward Larkin, um, essentially doing another Tribbles, another funny Tribbles episode, um, no, and the first, the first, well, it is, um, no. uh, the first full out comedy episode yeah. of Star Trek. Can we do Star Trek as if it were a... Late '90s, early 2000s, Ben Stiller slash 
um, Ben Stiller's slash uh, um, Will Ferrell uncomfortable comedy episode. Like that's what it is. Like, no. is, am I wrong that, that that's what they're trying to do? Like it's it's clearly that comedy, that late '90s, early 2000s uncomfortable comedy. Am I wrong? I don't know what they're trying to do, but it's not Star Trek. Yeah. So. And so, for that reason alone, I hated it. And it sucks because I, I love Archer. And if and, and here's the thing. On its own, as a joke for us, I'm on board. It's hysterical. It's ridiculous. Fucking Archer is so funny. Is it, his, is it hysterical? Yeah, it's really funny. So, uh, if so you take day, if you stop thinking about it as Star Trek. Like if mm-hmm. in the, if you stop putting it in in reality in in so the here, in me, that here, real let me, world. Let me read this. Let me read this. On the USS Cabot, it's from Wikipedia, science officer Edward Larkin tries to solve a planet's food shortage by genetically modifying tribbles, hence for creating tribbles as we know them, <coughs> against his but captain it's not. orders, creating, creating a species that is born pregnant and reproduces at a dangerous rate. The Cabot is overrun and Larkin dies when he chooses to remain behind while the rest of the crew escapes. Um the Here's darkness in it is 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 clearly comedic. Like the woman when she's like drowning in troubles um, and screaming. It's such a campy horror movie, silly moment. Um, and the thing is, it's not troubles as we know them. It's just not. The reason they reproduce so fast in the original episode, which still wasn't as fast as they reproduced in this episode, was because they had a food source, a very ro- robust food source that made them basically replicate at a high rate. And there's like in this, it's like there are gremlins that you poured water on. Yeah. Can I tell my it's, biggest problem? That's Here's my biggest problem. I hated the Ghostbusters reboot. And I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. It's taken me a long time to realize why I hated it. And the reason I hated it, I realized that I hated it from the moment of the first they're not there are things I didn't hate. Um I really hate what's her name, the um the main the nerdy Ghostbusters. Evidently she's a really good actress and has done really good work in other things. She's in the new Wonder Woman. I forget her name. She's from Saturday Night Live. Um I hate her. Oh, Kristen Wiig. I, yeah, I hate Kristen Wiig. Thank you. Um I like the I like the rest of the cast actually a lot. Um and I think that um fucking Thor is really funny in it. But my biggest problem was in the very first scene, and I realized this is gonna be the case the whole time. Even the guy in that first scene who's giving the tour at the beginning is telling jokes. It's jokes. Yep. Look at all the jokes, 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 mm-hmm. jokes. And Kristen Wiig is in there and immediately she's yep. riffing and you're riffing and riffing. And yep. you realize. And that was my problem with it as well. Like it's just not. I'm, I'm, the I, right and tone. we've talked about this on the show and I don't want to get too much into it because we have talked about this on the show. I laughed more during the Ghostbusters reboot than I did in either of the Ghostbusters movies. The first two Ghostbusters, I laughed out loud more times in the Ghostbusters reboot than I did in either of the first two Ghostbusters movies. Why don't I like it as much? Because I smiled less. Um, It was throwing jokes at the screen, and some of them were funny because they are talented, funny people. Um, But at the end of the day, it was so interested in throwing jokes at me that I stopped believing in the world. Yeah, there's there's a break in in my suspension of disbelief which and I is already te- a, a great ask given the premise so tell me if this is when it broke 
my scene, the bro- scene that broke me was them at the desk where she's trying to dismiss him, where she's yeah. like, you're dismissed. I'm like, oh, they're doing a bit. They they did this for like 45 minutes. And they took the best bits and they cut them in. Um, And immediately I no, was like, this is- it was sooner for me. As soon as he, his thing was broken. Oh, thank you for fixing that. It was, it was broken. Like it was fairly- I was concerned, and then I was it, ho- I, but but I was holding on until that scene. Yeah, but then that the that desk. was it was clearly that was, and then the music that's just playing ripping. as they're doing the the because you know what it comes fucking up. across as it com- it comes across as that is that you know baby Jesus prayer from Talladega Nights, right? That's all they're doing is they're doing that. But the thing is. They're not Will Ferrell. I'm sorry. They're funny. They're both funny people. But it's not even Um, that. I don't care if they were the two funniest motherfuckers on the planet right now. That is not Star Trek. That tone is wrong. It's not just just that it's not Star Trek. There's something about Will Ferrell who can do that that also can keep you emotionally invested. The best example of that is Elf, where he can do that. Oh, yeah. But but the rest, like, but he's nobody still, else your, is, though. Your heart still gravitates toward him. And I feel like ever since that fucking baby, baby Jesus scene from Talladega Nights, everybody wants to do that bit. Ah, we're riffing. What about? No, we're just saying stuff. No, we're just still saying stuff. No, we're still we're still saying it. We're still and saying it's fun. It. Hey, and and there are there are movies that have done that, and I'm fine, and it's been fun, and I laugh, every time and I that, like them. Every time that happens, I I laugh, but I check out, and that's what happened in Ghostbusters, yo, know, and that's what happened here. I just felt like it's I it, I don't want to say it's not Star Trek. You know, I had a great conversation over on the Totally Super podcast about um what is Star Wars and what people are saying are not only the Star Wars. And and I, I swear, I swear I'm going to get you and Arthur together on a big crossover podcast one day. I want to do it. A three-way podcast would be amazing. <laughs> um, but, but Arthur and I were talking about, you know, I said there are elements of the new Star Wars film that feel like Star Wars. And he stopped me and he goes, I don't think that's a valuable conversation. He said, what is Star Wars and what is not Star Wars is not for us to say. Star Wars means different people for different people, different things for different people. If it's an aesthetic that you like, then that's Star Wars for you. And if it's and if it's um the philosophy that you like, then that's Star Wars for them. So he says, I think I think that it's it's an exclusionary conversation to have to say this is Star Wars and this is not. My problem was it's not whether or not this is Star Trek. I am no longer interested in the story. Yeah, no, I'm no longer. I'm not. I'm not. That's what I'm saying. Because they're not, not characters anymore. They're funny actors doing. Yeah, games. I'm not engaged anymore with the story. That's what I mean by it not being like Star Trek. Like, because Star Trek was funny sometimes. It was, but it, it never got to the point where it was so far gone that I'm disconnecting with it as as the reality you've presented me like there's just so many things like how and i know she makes a she says i don't know how you got this far but i'm thinking that i don't know how how did you get this far in starfleet i saw i you know? saw an argument against i saw an argument like, against this episode that showed the difference between this and real star trek because when barkley is on the enterprise picard says yo make him your friend make him your best friend find the best in him and find mm-hmm. what he needs no and i know and like, i definitely thought of the barkley yeah and and she's like you're dismissed i don't know how you go this far I, you're gone you're done and and i i don't feel like the actors are committed so what makes you know what makes my my favorite funny moment in uh, both my favorite funny moments in all of star trek both involve Worf. one is on trials and tribulations the other one's in the robin hood episode where Worf walks over to 
Jordy's like little mandolin he's playing smashes it, hands it back to him and goes, sorry. And <laughs> and and what the reason that's funny, but I don't check out is because yes, the show is pointing out how ridiculous Worf really is, but he's still absolutely committing to being Worf. Yep. I don't feel like either of the characters in this are committing to be start being Starfleet officers. And so Well yeah, I, I mean because like- that was some interesting like as I watched it and I didn't he didn't get a chance to see all of them, but Mr. A's um part of one of his issues with it what and it was you know going on the whole fact of like it's you know not star trekky it's not the right tone he was like i feel like she behaved improperly like i i don't even feel like she behaved very starfleet like i don't think she did the right thing like her response was to just kick him off the ship and, and i was and like and, and, I, and i was like you know you're right i was like because it's not like there's never been an awkward character on Starfleet, there has. And it's, See, it's thing, very, not, very different. Even, I enjoyed the episode when I first... Well, I actually, when the first time I watched it, I, re- I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. But as time went on, I thought about the problem. My problem is not that it's not Star Trek. It's that I don't believe these people are the characters they're playing. That's what I don't believe these people are in Starfleet. I don't believe... It's not that it's it's not that, that it's not Star Trek. It's that I it's don't believe not, they're in that universe. I'm not... Yeah. Like, it seems like They seem a like joke. actors on a set. It seems like, like a joke for a us. And I'm fine. It seems like a yeah. funny skit for people who love Star Trek. And on that basis, I'm okay with it. But if you're trying to tell me this is legit and exists in the same world as Q&A, I'm like, no. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Let's move on. Ask ask not um, is the next episode. Yeah. Or, or this or in this world, in the same universe with this episode. Yeah. Right. C- Cadet Thera Sid, who has given care of a mutinous prisoner, Captain Christopher Pike of the USS Enterprise. Pike is set, attempts to pressure Sidhu into releasing him, but she refuses. Pike reveals that this is a simulated test, and by passing it, Sidhu is accepted as part of the Enterprise crew. November 24th, uh, November 14th, 2019. I really liked this. It was a great I really episode. This. And there, there are people who have gone like, oh, why would they ever do this? And I go, fucking, they did this on Next yeah. Gen all the time. Like when mm-hmm. Wesley Crusher was like testing for Starfleet. Like this is the sort of shit that they do. Like let let me be clear. Starfleet's fucked up. Like like I want to be super clear that both Starfleet Academy and Starfleet this is ridiculous that they would do this, but you know what? It's consistent because Starfleet's always pulling this shit. Like like it's it's borderline Well, and be abusive. clear here too. What I think is interesting, this is what I mean by by them fleshing out Pike and and number 1 in the Enterprise as it was before Kirk. Because I'm less certain Kirk would have done such a thing before allowing a crew member on his ship, right? But I absolutely believe that number one would design this to see if you're good enough to be on their ship. Like, because you'll you'll know her husband is on this other ship and there's no test for him. There's no, you know what I mean? Um, and this is very specific, and it's good. It's a really, like, by those standards, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't be on the Enterprise. I'd kill all you motherfuckers if it meant saving uh, Mr. A. I'm sorry. But in an instant, if it was like a button, I press a button, and I have to press one, and one will kill him or one will kill everybody else, I will kill all of you. Or if you'll kill everybody else, but I can also get, like, a really good spot at a restaurant, probably. Um <laughs> Or if I could get into like the, like 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 the Picard 
the 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 Picard like like premiere in London. Okay, and not all of you, but like five or six of you. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be okay with it. Be okay with it. But I'm just saying, like. There's a great bit. I don't. If you ever get a chance, if you're ever really bored, uh, uh, look on YouTube for an old movie from the early '90s called High Strung that stars Steve Odekirk, who it was in um, Kung Pao: Enter the Fist and made the tongue movie or made the uh, thumb movies. Remember the thumb wars and stuff like that? Yes. Um, um, it stars him and Jim Carrey and Thomas F. Wilson, who's Biff. And Denise Crosby, who's uh, who's who's Tashi R. There's the four of them in this movie. And at one point, he talks about, you know, I watched this movie the other day about these guys who crashed and they were going to die. So so one of them died and they eventually they they had to eat the guy who died. And I don't know. I don't know if if if, if I could do it. Like if, if I was going to die, could I could I eat my friend? I mean, he's already dead and I'm going to die otherwise. I mean, it's not like it's like. Oh, it's late, and I'm in O'Hare, and I've got a, and a connecting fl- plane, and all the all the restaurants are closed. So let's eat Larry, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. It's again, I it's one of those conceits of Star Trek that anybody would ever do this this ridiculously abusive thing to let somebody onto your ship. But that, but, but the thing I also loved about it was what was the what, and it, and it did not go unnoticed by me. Was he's fine? He's actually on his way. He's he's on his way here right now. Like the the realization yeah. also, like the like the I know this seems fucked up and perhaps inhumane, but the acknowledgement that I we need to know this about you to be able to, to depend on you on our ship to put our lives certain- in your hands. That being said, he's okay and he's on his way here right now because we know this is really fucked up what we just did to you and you're I, gonna want to see your husband. I work <laughs> like- in a job. I work in a job where literally people's lives are in my hands mm-hmm. all the time. You do constantly, constantly, and literally. I it's taken me less than twenty four hours to get my jobs. <laughs> like there's a point in Star Trek where I go. I just have to accept that it's the future and they know better. Because from my modern eyes, this is a little fucked up. And even the stuff they made Wesley Crusher go through was a little fucked up. But it's the future. They're, they know better because they know shit that we don't know right now. So I, I'll go with it. It was a good episode. It was very tense and I really enjoyed it. Okay, here's the one. We talked beforehand the show. I know what your answer is going to be. Very confused. Um the next episode is an animated episode called Ephraim and Dot, uh, aired uh, December 12, 2019. A tardigrade looking for a place to lay her eggs crosses path with the USS Enterprise and it is attacked by a repair drone named Dot. When the Enterprise self-destructs, Dot helps save Ephraim's eggs. When the eggs hatch, the pair travel with the baby tardigrades together. Um, it's uh, notable for being directed by Michael Giacchino, who is the guy who wrote the music for not only the opening of Star of Star Trek Discovery, but for all of the Star Trek movies. He's the composer for those movies. And he's like the new Danny Elfman. He's like composer for everything. He directed this episode. Okay. I saw this episode. And when I watched it, when I got to the end, I was like, holy shit, Alex. One, I loved this episode. My kids loved this episode. And I thought to myself immediately, holy shit, Alexia is going to love this episode. But So before this episode of Trek Off started, I said, hey, Alexia, what do you think of Ephraim and Dot? And you went, what'd you say? I hated it. And I I stopped the conversation because I was like, we need to talk about it on the show. But I'm so confused because my first my first thought when I saw this episode was, Alexia is going to love this. This is like made for her. So I need to understand without you like without you being demonstrative or funny for the show for a second. I need to I need to understand why this was not made for you because I literally thought this was like the love letter to Alexia, like somebody 
thought of uh, what you would like and made your episode again so, h- it's help me understand it's it's it, it's the inconsistent like you talk so much about how how into um canon you are and i am too i really am and i really wanted to like and and to be clear the like core story of it i loved it's beautiful it's a beautiful but piece of what animation. i what 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 for me was like, i can't do that what are you fucking doing is they it, if it was it was token fan service and it was obvious token fan service First of all, we we don't know nothing about no tardigrades in the Star Trek I watched, okay? So hold on. I think that we do because I think the tardigrade is a big part of Discovery. I'm clear Kelly, it is. Our, oh, oops, oh I, I, I said her name. Mrs. J. Shit. Oh, she's in trouble now. Uh, <laughs> this episode brought to you by Whipped Cream Vodka. Um, uh, <laughs> Mrs., Mrs. J pointed out that like, and I can't believe she remembered this and not me. She goes, I think the tardigrade was a big part of of Discovery last season. Yeah. So, okay, but go on. It was, but not in the original series where this is set. Okay. And not just that, but they jump from episode to episode while this repair bot, we've never seen a repair bot on the Enterprise. Ever. But it stands to reason there might be one. Ever, ever. Not a reference to one, not the sight of one. Like, if they had those, what the fuck does poor Scotty have to go into Jeffrey's tubes for? Like, sure. I mean, yeah, yes. That in terms of the canon, I can't just let go of it. I can't just go. Oh, it's fine because it's not fucking fine. And there's, and they go from the con episode. Let me talk out of both sides of my mouth for a minute. Let me talk about the other side of my mouth. The part of me that agrees with you will say this. I don't have a problem with Scotty doing shit. However, there was an episode of Next Gen where Data made a big deal about the fact that there were sentient exocomps that were going to repair shit. And that seemed to be the first time that you it were seeing... Every, oh, yeah. It was a big deal. Sentient. It was, it was. There was a whole episode about, here's the first time robots are going to be alive and sentient and doing shit. Um, yeah, going to so, have enough okay. ability to do the kind of shit that normally would take a person and we don't have I'm to gonna have a larger. A que- I'm going to have a larger question at the end of this episode. But so I, so because of that, I was immediately turned off that okay. and they but jumped. you said you hated it. So what? So what they, they jumped. The they also jumped from con to the naked time to whenever they fucking crashed the Enterprise. Sure, Star, Star Trek 3. So, And they what? did change the design of the Enterprise in between. Like, what What the actual fuck? That all happened in less than a minute? No, the that, idea, I think the idea... That the, makes the, the, no sense. The, 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 the idea no. is that for years, this tardigrade yes. and this robot are fucking... Yes. Fighting over the eggs. I think that's and, clear. And then I think the PS, the resistance. The, the I'm sorry. The, then and then the PS, the resistance on this hate cream on this hate Sunday right. <laughs> is finally the robot scans the egg and says that it's a tardigrade egg and saves it saves the eggs okay so this whole time this robot didn't even know that that thing was it said intruder didn't know that it was a tardigrade like even within its own shit like if i take out anything else that's just like star trek canon stuff it's not until the ship is blowing up blah 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 yada yakety schmackety oh that's a tardigrade egg so here you say for years you've been chasing around this tardigrade and it's you know it's left its eggs and and 
but only now are you coming to the realization? Oh, it's an egg for for the thing. Oh, okay. So, so that's so different. Like so get the fuck out of here. You know, let me like give you just... my take. Yeah, I hear you. I I hear you, and I I let me say this. I have a totally different feeling than you on this episode. However, before I want to give you this caveat before I say anything about my disagreement with you. Sometimes I think you're wrong. Um. I don't think you're wrong. And this is not one of those times when I'm like, oh, you're wrong. This is one of those times where I, I, I disagree I disagree with your final conclusion, but I absolutely understand why you came to the conclusion you did. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, no, I know that I'm right. And I get that you have an the, emotional feeling that has nothing to do oh, with right and wrong. No, it's well, here's the thing. It's 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 it's, it's, it's here, let me be passive aggressive. Clearly, you're not mature enough to, to engage with me in, in this mature discussion I'm trying to have. No, I, I want to say I get why you would feel that way. There's an there's a, a short that went along when one of my probably my favorite Pixar movie is Wally. And yes. there's a short called Bernie um, that's essentially this short um, about a, a about a, a little another little robot on on the Wally ship that goes through its own little adventure when other things are going on. And it, it has its adventure while the events of Wally are happening. I don't mind. Let me tell you the things I don't mind. I don't mind the compressed timeline. I don't mind the idea that this has been going on for the ship for years. Um, I don't mind that this is like this other thing's point of view through it. You've only got six minutes to tell the episode. I don't mind that this is how it's choosing to tell the story of the episode. Okay. I don't mind any of that. Um, but thinking about the exocomps, and I hadn't thought about them until right now, it does make me go, huh, this doesn't jibe with canon. So this is what I brush up against is is regarding the canon thing. There are two things, two issues, one issue that I utterly disagree with you on. And one issue that I might be with you on, but I can, but I am seeing past, but I can see why I might not. Let me th- tell you the first issue. The first issue is the issue of canon. I'm starting to willing to, I'm become willing to let go technological differences in canon um, between the original series and now. I feel like Discovery has handled it very well with creating a new bridge of the Enterprise that has things like touch screens and holographic interfaces and stuff like that. But we are supposed to believe that this is also the same Enterprise that Kirk is on because at some point this needs to not be the Enterprise from the 1960s, but rather this needs to be what our future looks like. And the fact is, is that we have progressed further. You know, even when the Exocomp episode came out, like at this point, those Exocomps seems quaint. The idea that it's going to take to yeah. the 24th century, the 24th century before we get sentient robots seems ridiculous to me now whereas at yeah. the time it seemed perfectly reasonable but now it's like no it's going to be like 15 years from now yeah. that we've sentient robots and so the idea that this robot I mean, was frankly on the- in terms of like the exocomp we already have like a fucking roomba the like the latest yeah you know robotic vacuums are as essentially yeah you know what i mean so so the idea of the existence of this robot on the enterprise even though it was never mentioned i'm totally okay with because i'm starting to adopt sort of a a a retro canonical james bondian point of view of this whereas james bond always takes place now every every movie that james bond comes out is always now so James Bond never ages, but now ages, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the same James Bond as the 60s, but this James Bond now has an iPhone, whereas the James Bond in the 60s did not. But it's the same guy. He's just always now. So I, I feel like we have to continue to look into the future with Star Trek, and we are going to necessarily have to conflict 
with original canon in, in order to do when that. it comes to technology when it comes specifically to technology if we are con- to continue to view star trek as happening in the future from now and not say that star trek is in a sort of watchman like alternate universe where technology didn't really progress that much between now and the 24th century our 23rd century. So I'm okay with that part. The second issue you raise about the fact that this is supposed to take place over the course of 10 years and the fucking robot never scanned the eggs. All right. Yeah, no, I'll give it to you. <laughs> it didn't occur to me till you said it, but I mean, yeah, not even no, the eggs, it. like when it meets the tardigrade. Yeah. It's like, holy shit, you're a tardigrade. You know what um, I mean? It's like just, and I was, and the thing is like when you're, when it's happening, I'm fine with it. Like it being intruder alert. Like even if I go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to let go of this whole canon thing. I'm going to let go of the timeline thing. I'm going to let go of those two things and just accept them and go with it. Um, In the moment, it's like intruder and it's cute. And then they have this fight and it goes, oh, I found a place for my eggs. Cool. That's all great. And you're watching it all and, the, and, the, and it's really cute and 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 Wally like for sure. I like that was not lost on me. And I did love Wally. Look, uh, look up Bernie B- and Bernie. B- I love, I've seen it and I love. Have you seen I Bernie? Loved, yeah, and I loved that. Too. I love Bernie. Bernie is actually a beautiful mm-hmm. little piece. I mean, of, and there's oh fucking there's another short um, with robots uh, on uh, Disney Plus has a bunch of like Pixar shorts. Yeah, yeah. That are like just for Disney Plus, I guess. And um, Pitbull, oh my god, so good. Maybe want to cry. It's not at all sci-fi, but it. I mean, it kill. It just. They they just make me cry. I mean, I just know if it's Pixar show, it's gonna make me cry. It's just what it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's another one with robots that's just b- beautiful. And oh my god. Um. So when I look at it through those eyes, I'm like, oh my god, this is so great. But there's nothing that then makes it not. The moment it's like got this epiphany of the egg. I'm like. I'm like you're a fucking robot. Like you knew that shit. Do all your along. job. Like, I, like th- now you've you've just broken everything. This doesn't work. Like you, if you had had yeah. something in there that showed that the robot gained knowledge from somewhere, from some part of the yeah. ship, from another planet they went to. I don't know something that would make it make sense that it didn't recognize what the tardigrade was, but then totally knew what a tardigrade egg was, was like, oh shit, I should save those. Um, that's just, I couldn't look past it. I just couldn't. Um, and it's it, funny because it I don't, so out of I it. don't know why the trouble with Edward, which I also really liked the first time I watched it, that now in discussing I've turned on, um, I don't know why I don't turn on this. Um, I see. I think it as it's an because impression. it's more emotionally moving. I see it almost as it seems like an well impressionistic. Done. It's an impressionistic piece of art um, that I can sort of ex- accept in its own milieu. But like again, I, I I completely understand why you feel the way you do, and you've and you've done a great job of explaining why you feel the way you do. I just come to a different conclusion. Okay. Here's another animated one. Uh, episode five, uh, the girl who made the stars, young Michael Burnham's father, eases her fear of the dark by telling her a story about a young African girl. In the story, the girl's people fear the dark because of a predatory night beast, but she braves the night and discovers an alien that gives her new light. The girl uses this to create the stars and grows up to be a warrior queen. Um, I thought this was a beautiful episode. Now this I lo- one. I love the idea of stories about ancient tribal times influenced by the modern knowledge of the 24th, or in this case, 23rd century, and the knowledge of the existence of aliens moving their ways back into old tribal stories. Um, there's a, there's, there's a, a wonderful book 
that I have read to my son that's an Af- uh, an African tale, um, which is, I think it's like, Daddy, Do You Love Me? or something like that. It's, it's, or, or, or Papa, Do You Love Me? I wish I could look it up. I don't know the name off the top of my head. But it's an old African story about a, a, a father talking to a son. And while it is an ancient story, it's written. it was written and illustrated in the last, let's say, 10 years, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years. So what would those storybooks look like in the 23rd century when everybody has ex- completely accepted the existence of aliens mm-hmm. as being part of just everybody? You know, it's it's as commonplace as as you know as yeah, speaking bread. of it's beautiful shorts. There's the, like another one like with that's like old folklore. Um, there's this beautiful VR short, um, and I don't know if you can watch it any other way. Um, it's one of the it's it's a, an amazing VR movie. It's an it's animated. Um, Is and it Star it's, Trek? No, 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 no. It's a, it's a story of um, it's a, an old uh, I think American Indian story, tribal story of how um a crow became a crow, and it's okay. so good. And it's like that though. It's that same kind of like I always. Love, I love it, like folklore stories like that. I always, I find them so intriguing, and maybe it's because you know I you know, Greek. I wasn't told you the normal little tales that the kids are told growing up. I was told like Greek mythology growing up, you know. What I mean? So sure. maybe that's why I kind of gravitate toward that stuff. But I yeah, like I loved this episode. I adored it. I, well, the idea these- is like what 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 if what if these ancient Greek tales? What do they look like in the twenty third century? When now everybody knows that aliens exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be that, you know, somebody went out. But the, the name of the book that I'm suggesting is Poppy, Do You Love Me? If any of you listening have young children, especially if your father's with sons, um, it's a it's a beautiful father-son book. And it's one that I read to my boys. I don't actually think that the, the child character in it is male. Um, so I think that you could be, it would be a great father-daughter book too. Um, but um, it is. Ab- I, will, I I do. I would be remiss though if I didn't say this, and it bothered me, and I can't help what? it. But she has a little tardigrade stuffed animal. I know. I know. I fi- I wondered if you'd like like when you like, were saying why? That, you, why you guys like it, like it? Ugh. It's an Easter egg. I'll give you the the Easter egg. You know the bigger problem I Just had with this. Don't do it. Just don't do you know it. The bigger, you know the bigger problem I had with this. What? Her father's full of shit. <laughs> like her parents are gonna die. <laughs> Like every horrible thing that she fears is going to happen is actually going to happen. You know, that's, that's, that's the, terrible. That's the bigger problem I had with this is that's the fact interesting. That, no, the I fact like that, I loved everything about it. I loved the story. It wasn't until after I, when I, was I loved the I loved no, the wonderful. difference of it being her father telling her the story because it's all this is such a, a traditional mother daughter scenario when depicted well, and we don't know media. much about her father frankly her her mother's the one who shows up in discovery and we don't mm-hmm. know much about her father but it's like and it wasn't until after when i was talking to mrs j about it when we were like we were like oh it's so nice like he tells this story to make her not afraid of the things that happen in the dark and then we started talking we we're like except like all that shit like happens in the dark <laughs> like, in like, space. Like, like oops <laughs> the klingons the klingons do show up and just like merciless 
obviously more Yeah, but it's parents. not what she thought. It's not some <laughs> I know. It was nameless, while I was, faceless while, bad. while I was while I was watching it, I had no problem. I thought it was beautiful and wonderful. I love um I love the African symbolism as it is and I love old African stories. I really, really dig them. Um, and like I said, I, I, I reminded me of Papa, do you love me? Because it's, it's a book that has meant so much for me and my boys. Um, and I love the, I, I, every time that we can see a capable father on TV, I'm very happy because yep. I had frankly, a feeling you would like that, that one. I like well, it. because frankly, fathers, fathers are always shown as being shitty in one way or the other on TV. They're either Darren from Bewitched where they're just idiots or they're fat slobs or they're, they're, you, you know, like they, they, or they're Homer Simpson. You know, it's always the mom who is capable and the dad who is just befuddled. Uh, so, so a strong, I think that's changed a lot. I think, and I think maybe you, I don't think, you know what, you know, kicks are still kid tested, mother approved. I'm like, fucking yeah. I do the shopping for the fucking kicks, you know, like I'm the <laughs> one who shops. I'm the primary character for my, for my kids. So I've always been very aware, aware, you know, that's, you know, choosy moms choose Jif. Well, fuck you, Jif. Like, like fucking, <laughs> I'm the one who buys the fucking peanut butter. So I buy Skippy. Fuck you. Um, so, uh, or Peter Pan, if it's on sale. Um, so <laughs> fuck, I'll buy Jif. It's up on sale. I don't care about the advertising, but like, I am always happy to see a capable father on TV because I don't think there are a lot of great examples of capable fathers on TV. Um, uh, and so I'm, I'm digging. That's that why, I, that's and, what I'm saying. I think you, you don't watch enough TV these days. I loved that's why you think the, that. I loved I the love episode. That. The episode. I loved the episode while I was watching it. It wasn't until after that when Mrs. J and I were talking, we were like, well, actually her father is kind of wrong. She should really be careful. And maybe they should too. Maybe his dad and mom should not be so like, yeah, everything's going to work out in the end. Maybe, I don't know, I'll be slightly more cautious. You know. Um, <laughs> maybe he's not the one to be telling this story. <laughs> um, um, but it's, a, no, I, I I jest. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was, yeah. much like I thought Ephraim and Dot was a wonderful piece of art in a completely different way. I thought this was a wonderful piece of art. And I love that Star Trek, I, I, even for Ephraim this, and Dot, I, And I, this is the way I think it's in the kids. Because this, like you take away the stupid tardigrade stuffed animal that makes no sense. And this is a perfect animated story that is connected to Star Trek um, you can animate it like this. I'm okay with this animation. Um, and it's good storytelling. And you can tell, I feel you can possibly have a show where you can, for younger people, where you can kind of sort of, um, because this would be interesting in this, in this style and in this vein to have an animated series from like a kid's point of view on a starship. No, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Actually, I think that look, I think that there's room for both Ephraim and Dot and the girl who made the stars. Whether or not you dig what they eventually did with Ephraim and Dot, I I want to echo what I said in the last in in, in way way earlier um, that I applaud them for going this direction and mm -hmm. and for a for a first foray into this direction. Well done, guys. It's you know it's it's there are things you know. I have my issues with the girl who made the stars. You have yours with Ephraim and Dot, but they're both fairly quality and and. And you have things to work on with both of them, but this is the way to but go. But it's more in My the direction I'm, I want you to go. Like it's definitely like I will say that it is both animated, um, appealing to kids, and still Star Trek. 
my in the way that I wanted to go. So. Both of these, even my younger kid loved both of these, and he, my younger kid was like, "Oh, he actually asked, is there a Star Trek movie? Because we just done the Tron thing that we did, and it, he was like, oh, is there a Star Trek movie?' And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh my, my boy, there, <laughs> there are, are thirteen <laughs> of them." Um, so like, like, yeah. Um, okay, last one. Um, and my favorite of the group is Children of Mars. I'm not surprised. This this occurred um, to me as, me, as, me, as one, one of your, one, this is the your only, tops. Only one in the future. And two, I got a middle schooler, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and as a parent, I'm kind of living this right now. And again, <laughs> this is another good way to appeal to a younger audience. And I would still watch it, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. still good TV for me. Um, and, but it's also more accessible for a child and I, and, and I, I like that. Like, I think that, that that's another really good direction to go in, um, to capture audiences a bit earlier, like, you know, like Star Wars is doing, um, and, you know, still have the gravitas and, and the storytelling and the, the sort of lessons, if you will. Um, that you have in Star Trek. Episode six of uh, the season, episode 10 of Short Tracks, uh, aired on January 9th, 2020, directed uh, by Mark Pellington, written by Kristen Byron, Jenny Lumet, and Alex Kurtzman, uh, who is the showrunner for uh, Discovery and also for Picard. Two school girls on Earth develop a fierce rivalry but are drawn together by a tragedy when they see news of Mars and its orbital facilities where the schoolgirls have a family working being attacked. During the news footage, an image of Admiral Jean-Luc Picard appears in the reports that Picard calls the attack devastating. This show is notable for being the first show to take place in the 24th, even into the 25th century. Mm-hmm. So this show might be the furthest forward we have mm-hmm. in fact, not might be it is the furthest forward we've ever seen Star Trek go. We now know for a fact that Picard became an admiral. So we know he's mm-hmm. an admiral and someone that the news asks, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And I have seen these shots of the attack on Mars in the trailer for Star Trek Picard. So I know that the, what we're seeing now leads directly is, into is the show. Tied into that. I had a feeling that being, that's why, and that's why I was like, he's he just in his pants. Like that being Picard said, on screen. Um, I also, I liked that there was very little um, dialogue. And, da- um, and a David Bowie shot, like like playing heroes. Um, and is... I, I thought that was very interesting too. Like, so it was really cool. Well, while, and I find, and I find it interesting. I, like I said, I, I watched these out of sequence. Um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I don't think so because I felt very differently about that um, use of sort of modern music uh, than I did about the one in in the Edward episode. Like, that really took me out of it, whereas this song, because they didn't just leave it be, it's clearly, they've they've changed it. It's a cover. It's a really interesting cover. It's a cover that fits with what's going on. Um, And I was like, it's an interesting choice. And there's part of me that, that... you know, things to kind of rebel against it. Like, what are you doing with that? I'm like, but it, you know what? It's it's enough different that it's not immediately that song, and it's so and it's I, I very to, emotionally evocative, and it yeah. really works. 
Um, Let me challenge you with my hot take here. Let me challenge you with my hot take, and and we'll go from here. You know, next gen, 178 episodes, DS9 the same, Voyager the same, only four seasons and shortened seasons of Enterprise. We're in two seasons of Discovery, three seasons of the original series, 11 or 10, uh, uh, or rather six original series uh, movies, four next gen movies, three Kelvin movies. Um, If we consider every single thing that I named as an episode of Star Trek, even including the movies, this episode deserves a place on the top third anything of star trek it's really it's really beautiful the top top 30 maybe top 20 maybe top 10 this episode has haunted me yeah it's really powerful i've thought about it now i'm gonna well i don't i I need to be tread very carefully in that you know my son deserves his privacy but i have a son in middle school and there are bullies in middle school and there are perceived bullies in middle school who are not actually bullies but you then found out what they were really going through. And there are other people who are actually bullies in middle school. And Mm -hmm. I dealt with and dealt with both and thought that one was the other and realized that some kids are just bad kids and realized that sometimes the worst of the kids, the one who is the most terrorizing has so much shit going on their own that I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And for those of you listening who are younger than I am, this is a clear allegory to 9-11 for me um, in that- There was a moment in my life, you know, when 9-11 happened in 2001, um, I was like 23, newly married, living in Washington, D.C. My wife, just who worked in um, Maryland, just happened to be downtown that day. And um, at the time 9-11 happened, um, you know, the tower got hit, the other tower got hit, and next was the Pentagon, and then fourth was the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, or I think maybe they happened right around the same time, maybe Pennsylvania was first. But there was a moment, there was like an hour where you didn't know if there were going to be 70 planes dropping out of the sky and crashing into shit. And that's the thing that I think that his history doesn't tell you know, the kids who are learning this in history, the kids, you know, seniors born, right? You know, people, seniors in high school aren't, they weren't alive when 9-11 happened. And yeah. so, so the piece of 9-11, I think that gets lost on people who weren't there, maybe people who were 10 years younger um, or people who didn't live in this area or live in New York is that... Yeah, because I think that definitely made a difference. There was an hour, there was an hour where you didn't, where the planes were still in there, they grounded every plane in the United States. They There was an hour when you didn't know that there weren't 70 planes with terrorists on board that were crashing into everything. You didn't know if every building was going to take get taken out. You didn't know what was going on. And, you know, my wife was in a large building downtown DC. She heard the Pentagon plane crash. She drove, you know, they, they, all the roads in DC are two lane roads. They go in and they shut down all the roads going in so that all roads going into DC were just two lane roads going out. And my wife was in that looking in her rear view mirror, seeing the smoke rising in the distance. Jesus. And there's a piece of that that can't be explained to people yeah. who weren't there. And I'm very lucky. I lost no one in 9-11. I know a lot of people who lost people in 9-11. Yeah. Um, I, um, I did not either. But my I'm with you. My sister um, was working uh, with Morgan Stanley at the time in Manhattan. And at one point they had offices right there. Like, yeah. And we, I mean, and we had no contact with her for, like you said, there's a few hours there was just like nothing. 
and I just didn't. My mom, my mom, know. my mom, my, my my mom um works in the airline industry and knows the very first person who died on 9/11. The very first flight attendant who died on 9/11. My mom knows knew uh. that person. Um, you know that it's it it you can't know that feeling of is this the end that was happening for like an hour and then once the planes were down you were like okay I think I think I think they're done yeah once no once pro- the dust had sort of settled it was not it, even it settled shi- I mean it's 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 it shifted it's like, but there was still this feeling you know what I mean this but there was I don't even know how to describe where, it where where but. where everybody was making phone calls to their you know to their family members mm-hmm. on cell phones so you couldn't get through to yep. anyone um and and you didn't know that it was only going to be four planes like you didn't know how big this was going to be and and there was a moment of solidarity where you know you you checked in with people maybe people you lost touch with you know you were like hey I know we had a fall out but are you good like people in new york and people who work downtown in dc you're like hey listen i know we're not friends anymore but you're good right you're cool you're all right and they sent you a very short email going yeah thank you for asking and you weren't friends after that but there was this moment where you were like and this episode brought that back to me yeah so here i am the father of a middle school child who deals with you know this shit that is that is in this episode these these fucking bully situations um and he is neither of these girls like these girls are antagonizing each other and he is you know he largely keeps to himself and 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 you know bullies come his way but but you know these girls who are both feeling isolated and then both being victimized by each other and then brought to a moment of solidarity by nine this is hitting all my buttons <laughs> Yeah, like all. Well, I mean, this is just it's 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 firing on all cylinders. It's emotionally impactful. It's thought provoking. It's all the good things about Star Trek and like kids, which we really don't see a lot of. It's a, it's, look, it's it's personal on on a deeply emotional level because it's kids. It's an allegory for the experience of history, which is what Star Trek does so well for 9-11. You know, it's clearly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's putting you into the 25th century so that you get your first glimpse of Admiral Picard and what the future looks like, which mm-hmm. is great for, you know, for being a science fiction nerd, which I am, being a Star Trek nerd. It's hitting every single sweet spot and you're throwing in heroes at the same time, yep. and it's being used judiciously. Yep. This is not. This only is how my you favorite, do it right. You know what I mean. This is not only my favorite episode of Short Tracks. This is my favorite episode of anything in the new era of Star Trek, and is up there with you know the Visitor from Deep Space Nine, or Sitting on the Edge of Forever, or The Inner Light, or Best of Both Worlds, or or you know Duet, or you know or. Measure of you a know, man, or, or me- measure of a man, or the, or the, um, what's the first Romulan episode that I love so much from the original series? Um, oh, you know, you know I never remember. I do, I know the what you're talking about. Yes, but I never. Yeah, remember yeah. It's 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 like like any of those. This is this belongs in that list. I don't want to say top ten yet because I got to go. Whoa, well, Star Trek Two's on that list, and First Contact's on that list, and yeah, gosh, there's a I lot re- of I stuff really to make love the Star list. Trek but Beyond. it's I, like Star Trek Beyond, like also hit a lot of notes. I, like I don't know if the 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 sad part of this is as good as the Beastie Boys moment of Star Trek Beyond. Like <laughs> that was a stand up and cheer moment. Like Star Trek yeah. Beyond's on my top ten, by the way. That that moment for only that moment when the Beastie Boys hit and everything explodes. I 
thinking about it makes me want to stand up and cheer. I know. Right Every time I think now. about it, I'm like, I'm excited. I smile and <laughs> like, it plays like, in so, my head and I'm so, happy. But this this deserves a place on that list. I don't know where, it, I'm going to say top 20, um, but in something where there are literally a thousand Star Trek things to experience, um, that's amazing that they did yeah. this in this little episode. This is a, devast- it's a devastating episode. Um, mm-hmm. And if Picard is anything like this. Yeah. I am in for such a ride. Maybe yep. this is, I don't know if it's going to be for everyone, but damn straight does it look like it's going to be for me. Oh, um, yeah. This is, this is what I want. Um, um, this is it's what, a, it's a beautiful this, this is the, this is a Star Trek that we need now. Yeah. Um, like, there's just a lot of notes in there that, that are contributing to where people are feeling right now. Yeah. And, and that's, funny, and that's and how we talk bombastic. about it. It's, it's just beautiful. And, you know, Q&A is interesting. The Trouble of Edward is comedy that doesn't fly. Ask Not is tense. Ephraim and Dot is, is, you know, artistic, but, you know, clearly divisionary. The Girl Who Made the Stars is also very beautiful. But Children of Mars is Star Trek. Essentially. Yeah. Star Trek. And It stunning. is the most essentially Star Trek thing that has come out yet, um, um, with the possible exception of that one um, of Calypso from the short trekster, which also I, it bears a rewatch. Um, uh, if this is the direction Star Trek's going, I am so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so down. You know what I mean? Um, like, sign that's me the season the of, of short treks. The next episode, we're going to do our very best. We're recording this on a Saturday, and we're already having conversations of like, can we get to record on a Monday or Tuesday? We're trying really, really hard to make sure we can do a pre Picard. Um, there's a part of me that's like, hey, let's do it now. But it's like, like you've now listened to two. From your point of view, this has been two episodes of Star Trek of Trek Off. For our point of view, we've been recording for two hours and twenty minutes straight. I could not possibly do a Picard preview episode now. Um, well, so and if you I, think about it honestly, that this that episode is, if you if you ask me, I so I let, think that these the of these short treks, it is very evident that that is linkage to Picard to the upcoming show and. That that there is a tone here and there is a feeling here that that I think has us both very optimistic about what Picard's going to be, and so, both in uh, terms of Star Trek and just as a show. So we will try as Trek off. We will try our damnedest to get an episode in the Monday or Tuesday before Picard airs. Um, there's a chance we will be unsuccessful in this endeavor. Um, because frankly, it, it's a lot to do. But Picard comes out this upcoming Friday, um, and and by Monday we're going to do our best to get you our first take on Picard. Um, we're going to try really, really hard to give you a, our first views of it um, as soon uh, as we. What can. a glo- what a glorious time to be a fan of Star Trek, guys! I know, right? Like, holy shit! Like like. Like the fact that we can be disagreeing about Ephraim and you know what? You and I would both be shitting our pants over Ephraim and Dot if like Discovery and Short Tricks didn't exist. And like, here, have some like fuck, we would be the trouble with Edward might even be tickling our fancy spot if there weren't so many other great things to like like, well, like I said, all... I even I love it in its own little happy if it is own little bubble. You know what but I can mean? You imagine like Just what if Discovery never attached. happened? What if Short Treks never happened? And then suddenly the trouble of ever dropped like the new Eminem album that dropped today. Like it was just like, here, here's a, a six minute episode of Star Trek. We would be going, holy shit! Wow. And instead we have to go, fuck this shit. There's so much better shit to watch. Um, this is truly, it's an embarrassment of riches as a Star Trek fan right now. I cannot, I, I stand by this statement that I made back in, in Star Trek 2009. 
I cannot believe we are what we are. When we started Trek off, Star Trek was dead. We were just going to like be be riffing on like how cool Star Trek used to be. That's what Trek off was going to be about. Wasn't it cool back when Star Trek was around? Instead, it's like, holy shit. There's like tons shit is of- back, of, man. It is back. And it's good. And it's mm-hmm. so good. Um, I am so excited for for Picard. I'm excited for Discovery. I can't wait to see what the like the 29th century looks like or whatever, or the 32nd century. Like yeah. that looks interesting. I am, I am, you know, I'm so jazzed. And we got the Mandalorian and Star Trek and and Star Wars, and we haven't even talked about like Marvel. And you and I still have to talk about Endgame at some point. Um, it's like, like, like what the fuck do you guys fucking understand? Motherfuckers. Do you get it? We had to watch Knight Rider 2000 on channel 20 because it had the name Knight Rider and had some cars in it. And, and we it was like, the best we could get. It was like, we we're like, Hey man, kind of like more Knight Rider, even though it's bad. Yeah, Kung Fu, the legend continues. Sure. Let's do Kung Fu. The legend continues. Cause it's the best we got guys. Um, like this is. I yeah, can't you have no believe, idea. I can't believe that I'm alive. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like it's, it's, I, I really, I get existential about this shit. The minute they, they re, the minute that they do a really good Buffy verse reboot, which I got to imagine is around the corner, right? Like someone's, re, I forever, they've been saying they've been working on a reboot. That's also a sequel. Like it's another Slayer and it's got no one that we know, but it's in the same universe. So old that people I would be on board. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. The minute that that happens, I can die. <laughs> like, well, I want, I, I want to see my, kids I will graduate have, I will have lived a complete after, life and I can go. <laughs> like, I want to see my kids graduate high school after that. Like, like, the minute I get, like the not college, I can go, you don't want to see them uh, married. Get, you don't want to see them with kids. Well, like, sure. Yeah, of course. I want to live to be a hundred, but I like, like the minute I want to sit there with my wife and go, I don't know. Do we watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus, The Mandalorian season three, Picard, Discovery, or the new Buffy show? Because there's new episodes of all of them, and I don't know what to choose from. Like it's like, do you know that this week, fucking this week, they're talking about a Firefly reboot? Mister A told me I was like I do not know how to feel about that. I'm not kidding, but that's the thing. They they just want to put it on another ship. In the it's a re it's a soft reboot reboot. Well, like it's not it's not the Serenity. It's another ship in the universe. Assuming it's basically the next gen of Firefly. If they reboot Firefly, like here's a new Captain Reynolds. I'm out. I'm done. But yeah, that like, will very much upset me because he said it was it, it was meant to be like uh, a sequel. A I was like, I was like, like after the movie, I was like, or in between the show and the movie because it better be it's that. Be I'm spin-off. not dealing got, with no wash. They better you know, be. Washed. I want to. I, I want to spin off and maybe give me one episode, one character who jumps over to. You know, that's what I want. I want to spin off. And evidently, um, Joss Whedon is has said nothing about being. He's been sort of quiet lately. Um, he's had some shit happen. Um, but the uh, I'm trying to write uh, uh, David Greenwald, who was also part of that show and who has done really great work. He ran Daredevil season one, which is one of the most perfect seasons of television to ever exist. Um, he has talked about uh, possibly bringing Firefly Black, Firefly back. So 
like another ship run by David Greenwald and you get other, you know, you, you get Marty Noxon and other Joss related people who wrote that style to write it again. And then fuck you, you bring Joss Whedon back for the season finale and you go, ah, oh. like, yeah, like th this is happening. This is like, we took over F the ratings for football are falling. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to put that out there. Fewer people are watching sports. <laughs> we are, we, we, like, I'm telling like, you, the geeks this, inherit the earth, my friend. You don't know what it was like in the late 90s. I know. Like, like, people today have no idea what it's like to be a geek. Not really. Like, now, it's not a bad word. It's not a put down. It's not negative. You're not the fucking weirdo. So, let me put it out there. It's totally that, acceptable. Let me <laughs> and, give you and, two and, things and, that you need to understand. Like, that song. that Did you ever watch that? I, I'm sure I showed it to you. Um, the from the chick who uh, uh from uh uh Doctor Horrible sing along vlog. Sure, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Her, you know how God, she we had met that. her. We, I fucking met her. I, I didn't meet I her, but in. you met her. Dude, um, I'm fucking wear I'm fucking wearing a Doctor Horrible shirt right now. That's funny. <laughs> like I'm literally wearing a shirt right now that shows Doctor Horrible um stepping out of the TARDIS. Did you ever watch? Did you ever watch her show though, The Guild? Yeah, I did watch The Guild. Oh, so the but I'm not. Do you remember? So the, you remember the music video where she talks about how it, you know geeks are Felicia Day, cool ladies now. and gentlemen, geek god Felicia Day. Like it's a great fucking and it's an old at this point, frankly video um music video but it's so it was true then and it's even more true now like suck it yeah, people no. who you know put us all down when we were kids like <laughs> we're well, the cool I mean, ones I think, now <laughs> i think that you don't need to under so th this is the best way i can say everyone knows that my least favorite star trek is enterprise right my least i want to make two statements i like voyager better than enterprise i like everything else clearly better than enterprise my least favorite star trek is enterprise i was part of the letter writing campaign to save enterprise <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you have to understand I was in a spot at one point where I was actively writing a letter putting it in an envelope putting a stamp on it and putting it in the mail to try to save my least favorite Star Trek episode Star Trek show because the Star Trek the Star Wars prequels were done we had the Clone Wars which was actually phenomenally great but nobody watched it um, um, and you had like you had Clone Wars and you had Enterprise and not a ton else. Doctor Who had not rebooted yet. Like, like there was nothing. The fact that we're like, hey, you want to watch the brand new Doctor Who or do you want to watch the brand new Star Trek? How about the brand new Star Wars? Like, it's, it's, yeah. like, it's, we are. Because people our in, age are finally the ones who are creating the shit. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we are, we are in the, the golden corral of geekness now. And they're and like, yeah, hey man, you know what was cool? All this stuff. Yeah, it was. Let's do some but more what of I love it. About it yeah. is that, like what I love about it is that they're like, and here it is better than it's ever been before. Like as much as you can say you love the original series or I love Deep Space Nine, they don't touch how awesomely cinematic discovery looks it looks like a fucking movie every episode looks better than anything i've ever seen on tv or in the movies for star trek and they just throw it at you like here bitch this is yours here here it is let's just dump gold coins on you like your scrooge fucking mcduck here have it all it's free it's 7.99 a month and fucking star trek fans i gotta say I've seen so many people go, Star Trek's dead. I'm not paying to watch Star Trek. It's eight dollars. Yeah. It's eight dollars. Not dead. Like it's eight. It's eight dollars. I waited my whole life to get Star Trek back. The best Star Trek, best looking Star Trek ever. It's eight dollars. 
I would have paid $100 if you had said to me, hey, you can go see a new Star Trek film, but it's $100. Like, that's the deal. We made a Star Trek film. It's canon. It's in canon. It's got Patrick Stewart, but you could only go see it if you paid $100. And it will. They, there's no other way to see it. You can't rent it. You can't buy it. It's only available if you pay $100. Do you know what I would have said in 2006? I'm working four extra shifts. <laughs> I have to know what happens in Star Trek. But now people are like, $8 a month just to get 14 hours of Star Trek? No. No, I will not pay $30 for 14 hours of Star Trek. Are you fucking kidding me? I paid $50 I for a Star Trek book because it was like as close to the show as I could get. <laughs> are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Get CBS All Access. It's really good. Yeah, <laughs> you really should. Yeah. This episode brought to you, and look, this is clearly split into two episodes. I could almost do three, but it's two episodes. Uh, this ep- These episodes have been brought to you by Whipped Cream Vodka. Uh, yes, my name is have. Justin. <laughs> my name is Alexia. Trek off. Trek off, bitches. Just one more reminder before you go to go to Totally Super on wherever you subscribe to podcasts, whatever you're listening to this on, search for Totally Super and hear me and Arthur review every superhero movie ever made. It's an awesome show. I think you'll love it. Okay. Thanks for listening.